Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, Holly. Hi, Gemma. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Good. We are which murderer? Are we? Yes, we are. See, we remembered Craig. Producer Craig made very clear to us that we had to tell everybody who we were. <laughs> Not because we forget or anything like that. No, just because he likes to have it his way. <laughs> He's very bossy. Very. So this week we are discussing... Cases that were solved using fingerprints. Yes. And I'm going first, so I'm just going to jump right in. So my case is with a man called Dennis Gunn. He was from New Zealand, and I couldn't really find much on his childhood, but I discovered that in 1918, he skipped out on mandatory military service, resulting in his fingerprints he had given to the military being passed on to the police. Oh, interesting. And two years after that, Dennis and a group of other men planned an armed robbery targeting the local post office. I'm going to guess Dennis forgot that he gave his fingerprints to the army. I reckon he would have done. Yeah. Also, I don't think many people back in 1918 knew about fingerprints, so they probably didn't know that they could be transferred onto surfaces or you could be caught using them. Yeah, I think it was still quite new. Yeah. Yeah. So Augustus Braithwaite was a postmaster at one of the post offices in Auckland. And on the 19th of March, 1920, he had the day off work and had a whole day to himself planned. He said goodbye to his wife in the early morning and left for the day. His wife also went out in the afternoon, her husband not yet home, and later returned at 9pm where she found her husband's body on the floor a few feet from the back door. Oh, I assume outside, but I can't be sure. Okay. Could be a few feet outside, could be a few feet inside. Right, okay. She felt that his body was still warm and ran to call the doctor who came within half an hour. Okay. Brilliant. That Mm -hmm. was that going to do. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) If he wasn't dead before, he probably is now. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And he had been shot in the throat and the stomach. Oh, shit. You're definitely not going to recover from those. No. Not back then, anyway. No. The police arrived at around 10.30pm and discovered that Augustus's keys for the post office were missing. 
They went to the post office and they found the place ransacked. Cash boxes were lying all over the floor and the safe was empty. Mm-hmm. There was no evidence of forced entry and the keys had been used to open the door. Detective noticed fingerprints on the cash box and brought them to the experts for analysis and compared the prints to known criminals already in Auckland. But none of these prints matched those of the criminals on the list. A few weeks later, detectives added more names, including Dennis Guns, and his fingerprints matched those left on the cash boxes. So he was located on the street and the detectives asked him to come with them to the station. Uh He was visibly shaken when they approached, but agreed to go. And he was arrested and charged with murder and robbery. His trial beginning on the 24th of May 1920 and lasted for four days. So the prosecution called an expert in fingerprint analysis and explained the science to the jury. It was obviously in its infancy back then and most people were not aware of even what a fingerprint was. Yeah. The expert stated that no two fingerprints were the same, but the defence immediately rebutted and said that this could not be an accurate fact as there was no evidence at the time to back up. The expert had to concede that at this time he couldn't make such a statement, but according to the literature and the current evidence, that's what scientists were thinking at the time. Yeah. And he was right. I think. Yeah. 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 I was like, I doubted myself for a second. (laughs) Millions are set free. (laughs) Uh, Mrs. Braithwaite was called and she recalled finding her husband's body. She said her husband was kind and a quiet man without any enemies. And a few other witnesses were called who were all able to account for Augustus's Augustus's day. One witness said he saw Augustus leave the post office at 8pm that evening and looked like he locked the door. And the doctor who attended when Augustus's body was found said he was first shot in the abdomen. And then as he was falling to the ground, the second shot hit him in the neck and it took him 10 minutes to die. Oof. Witnesses were able to place Dennis at the scene, including a former warder at the jail Dennis had been held in after being arrested for evading military service. Oh, interesting. Okay. He had seen Dennis at 2.30, hanging around the post office, for hours until 6pm. Detectives testified that they found a canvas bag near Dennis's home with revolvers and the post office keys and the bullets from the murder were analysed and... Those that were found with the revolvers matched the ones that Augustus had been murdered with. Right, so he was really shit at covering up everything. Really bad. Yeah. His fingerprints were also found on the gun. Oh, fuck. And the defence lawyer grilled the fingerprint expert at this point, but the expert kept his cool and appeared to convince the jury. Dennis denied that the prints were his and he denied that they were anywhere near the crime scene, despite the many witnesses who said he was. But Dennis's witnesses... In defence of him were his family and friends and they said that he was with them at the time of the crime. So that's not very substantial. No, not really. The jury deliberated for only a short time and returned with a verdict of guilty and he was sentenced to death. After the sentence was passed, Dennis admitted he had been involved with the robbery but had not been the man to shoot Augustus. He stated that there were two other men with him and reported their names. The police interviewed these men and established that they were not involved somehow. And Dennis was unable to commute his death sentence to a lesser charge and was hanged on the 22nd of June 1920. Wow. 
So from researching this, I came across some comments supposedly made by family members of Dennis. Uh-huh. But it's the internet, could be anybody. Yeah. However, they said that the family still believe he was involved with only the robbery and not the murder and was in fact sentenced to death in error. They stated that the person who did in fact murder Augustus could not live with himself after knowing that Dennis had been executed for a crime he did not commit and took his own life. Interesting. So... That was an interesting little tidbit that I found on some comments of some articles. But as I say, I don't know how reliable they are. Well, his fingerprints were on the murder weapon. The gun. Yep. They said that he probably handled the gun, but didn't shoot him. That's what the family said. So then why weren't the fingerprints of somebody else found on the gun? Yeah, exactly. Like if the gun was fired, it was his fingerprints. I know. I'm pretty sure he fucking did it. I'm, I'm not sure. Sh- I'm sure I he don't did know. It as I well. wasn't there, but it it sounds to me like he did it. The evidence points to him being the one that did it. I think so. Especially the fact that he was hanging around the post office for so long. It seemed to be something that had been planned. They found the keys on his fucking stuff. Uh huh. Yeah, he wasn't great. No. That's that. Interesting. Thank you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Woody Overton, host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Join me each week to hear true and unscripted stories of the cases I actually worked during my career as a major crime investigator in South Louisiana. Go to realliferealcrime.com where you can listen to each week's episodes and find links to our social media. I appreciate y'all. Don't let me catch you down on Murder by You. Holly, go ahead. Oh, okay. Thank <laughs> you. I was just waiting. I didn't. Okay, we're recording. <laughs> so, I worked so hard on this episode. Yes. I read part of a book. Really? I did. And I only had to read part because it was a book of short stories. Okay. So, it's not like I was just like being stupid, but no, like I read this portion of mm-hmm. the book that talked about this case. Uh huh. And I read the entire Old Bailey transcript of it. Wow. And it was long. Yeah. Let me fucking tell you. So I am telling you the story of Alfred and Albert Ernest Stratton. The Stratton brothers? The Stratton brothers. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Thomas Farrow and his wife Anne managed a small paint shop in Deptford in southeast London in 1905. So they had done that for the last three years since 1902. They had been in the service of the Chapmans who ran the shop. It was actually more of like a franchise around London. Oh, a franchise. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but they had worked for these people for 24 years. Wow. And doing various things for them. Thomas at this point was 71 and Anne was 65. They lived in rooms above the shop on High Street. The shop was usually open from 8 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. 
Gosh. Yeah. Shit. That's a long working day every day. Absolute shit. I call bullshit on that. Uh, but customers would sometimes stop in earlier. Fuck what? that. No. And Thomas was in the habit of standing in the doorway at around seven o'clock each day to smoke a pipe and just kind of like keep an eye out for any, any people. It was um, open early so that people who were maybe going to work in different areas of London could stop by on the way to the train or whatever and grab paint. Okay. For everyone that needed paint. Yeah. The owners used to come to the shop each week to collect the earnings Thomas would take like the costs and his wages out of the earnings and then just hand it over to the owners in a plain brown package. Okay. Everybody reportedly had no idea what was going on. It was very well done. It wasn't well known that that was what they were doing. And the taking Is that a bad thing? Sorry. No, it's a good thing. Oh, okay. So right, people okay. like didn't know that that's what was exchanging hands. So like oh, didn't I make him a target. Mean. I see what you mean. And the takings were usually 13 pounds per week, which is about 1500 today wow that's a lot of money that's not bad i don't know a week though 1300 pounds a week or 1500 pounds a week for a shop i don't know if that's good or bad i don't know with overheads i don't know <laughs> okay that's math <laughs> and uh, the, the knowledge to back that yeah up. i know i can't back up anything the shop assistant who had also been there for about three years was named william jones and he saw thomas and Anne in the shop on march 25th 1905 in the evening i guess like as they were shutting up they had served customers and everything okay so that was i think that was on the saturday or the friday can't remember on monday morning around 8 30 a.m william arrived at work but found the door locked which had never happened before right he went to a local shop to fetch help and came back with a man named Lewis Kidman and they managed to get through the house next door and found Thomas lying dead in the parlor. They called the police. Once they arrived, Anne was discovered upstairs in bed, severely injured and in a death-like state. Oh dear, she wasn't dead yet. No. She, Anne, was suffering from shock and head trauma and was taken to the Siemens Hospital where she eventually died on Friday, 31st of March of that week. Okay. So found Monday, died Friday. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a long time to be dying. Yeah. A cash box was found with a small change in it that had been pried open, as well as some cut up stockings and strings thought to be used as masks. Okay. For a robbery. Yep. Dudley Burney was the divisional surgeon of police, aka the coroner. Okay. And he arrived at the scene just after 9.30 a.m. And when examined at 9.50, which is... I don't know, like an hour and 20 minutes after the bodies were found. The the doctor found that Thomas had only been dead for around an hour. He determined that Thomas had been struck in the head with a heavy blunt object about six times, causing skull fractures and hemorrhaging. He died from shock and hemorrhage, but was thought to have lived for two or three hours after the attack. Oh, no. Thomas was seen standing in the doorway of the shop by two witnesses. Around 7.20 that morning, with blood on his face and hands and shirt, he stared out vacantly, then shut the door and locked it. Oh, so he was standing? He was standing at the door. Covered in blood. Covered in blood. Completely, like, a total mess. And then he turned around and locked the door. (gasps) Uh, Neither person called the police. Oh, no. I know. But, like, they thought he was standing okay. Well, whatever. Like, he's clearly okay. He's maybe just been in a fight or something. They didn't, they didn't, I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to get him in trouble if they thought. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But then why would you not go knock and see? 
Yeah, true. Anyway, um, judging by the blood trails, it looked like he had tried to get to his wife, uh, tried to get to the stairs, but then he collapsed at any yeah. rate. Detective Sergeant Alfred Deacon of New Scotland Yard, who took photos of the crime scenes, took the cash box and gave it to Charles Collins, who was a detective inspector and had been involved in the formation of the fingerprint system in 1901. Mm. Previous to that, he had worked with the anthro... I knew this is going to fucking get me. Anthropometric? Anthropometric? Anthro- oh, that sounds right. Anthropometric. Yeah system which is basically identifying suspects through body measurements oh got you okay and that had involved fingerprints as well briefly 1905 they had around 80 or 90,000 sets of prints which is 800 to 900,000 different impressions and he testified he had never found any two such impressions to correspond so out of the 900,000 impressions of fingerprints yep none matched yep He found a print on the inner tray of the cash box, which he photographed and then enlarged. Now, there had been many witnesses on the street around the time of the murders, seeing two men fleeing the scene. Two of the witnesses were able to name Alfred Stratton as one of them. Oh. He had no criminal record, but he had contacts who were criminals. Okay. His brother Albert was known to police and matched the description of the other suspect. After their arrest, Deacon took their fingerprints and... It was Alfred's right thumb that matched the print on the cash box and it had 11 exact match points. Right. But he had the same issues that you had with your jury in that people didn't understand fingerprints. Yeah. And there's only 11 match points. You would think, well, shouldn't it all match? Yeah. But then he he went on to explain like the pressure Mm -hmm. and the way that you roll your finger when you take impressions. Yeah. Can change the look of it. Yeah. But the actual, like, shapes are still there. Yep. So that, combined with the testimony of Alfred's girlfriend of 12 months, Hannah Mary Cromarty, that he had gotten rid of his jacket just after the murder and that he had left um, out the window the night of the murder with someone, was damaging to the defense. Yeah. Obviously. Alfred had struck Hannah that night, who was pregnant with her child out of wedlock. And no the, wonder she testified against him. Yeah, she. I think she didn't. She definitely didn't like the police. But I think she she was a bit arsy in her testimony. Let's put it that oh, way. Right. Okay, she felt like she had been tricked a little bit into the testimony. Oh right. Okay. But she was very honest about everything that happened. Oh okay. The defense brought in their own witness, a man named Doctor John George Garson who had been involved with developing the fingerprint system since 1890. Okay. So he was in the same field as this other guy, the detective inspector. Interesting. Rivals. Yeah, exactly. They were professional rivals. This totally backfired for the defense, though, as it was suggested he was simply there to contradict the prosecution over a professional grudge. And it was revealed that he had first offered his services to the prosecution, but had been rejected. Oh... So it did not look good for him. Drama. Basically, the judge was like, you're totally pointless, dude. <laughs> um, the jury took two hours to find the Stratton brothers guilty of murder, and they were hanged on the 23rd of May, 1905. That is cool. The The story, I guess our story article was uh, called Murder in Deptford by Jurgen Thorvald. Very Viking-y. Mm. And then the oldbaileyonline.org 
um, there's a file number there. I'm not going to read it out because nobody's actually going to go look it up, but you can <laughs> just type in the name Stratton you and you'll Google get it. it. Mm-hmm. You can totally just get it. But yeah, it was really interesting to read the testimony because the witnesses are all just so fucking stupid. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, I, the the woman who identified or didn't identify saw him standing there with blood yeah. covering him. It's like, I looked for a cop, but I couldn't find one. So I just got on the train to work. <laughs> okay well they don't just flock to you when you wish for them they're not like your mother they're fairy godmother yeah but like also they didn't have phones back then yeah i had to go actively search for a policeman wait they did they not have phones in 1905 i don't think so oh we're gonna have to google i'm gonna google this during the break (laughs) because now i am not backing up this statement with any facts i'm picturing people with phones in 1905 i might be wrong what is producer craig making a face behind me no not at all um when this is bad that i don't know this when was the jack the ripper killings it was 1888 86 they definitely didn't have phones then no 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 Okay, we that's a check. Google. That's a Google question. Okay, bear with us. We'll be right back. We'll be back. <laughs> right, so telephones, first of all. Yeah. Me and Holly now know a shitload about the history of telephones. So much more than I care about. <laughs> There's so much information out there. It's funny to think people care about this stuff. But we discovered that telephones were used in businesses from the 1800s. Yeah. But not really in people's homes no and there wasn't a public telephone box until 20s the 1920s yeah so my people technically couldn't have called the police my witnesses but they could have fucking like sent a runner to the police station office i said the police office i'm so tired (laughs) they could have gone to the the police police office and filed something (laughs) god damn it also, back then, I'm sure Bobby's literally just walked the streets. They did. Especially in London. Although they had those little boxes they had to sit into. Yes, the police boxes. It's really boxes. weird. No phone boxes, but there were police boxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was probably the first, like, bright idea. They're like, oh, we stick people in those. We can stick phones in them now. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's answered that question. It has. Now, the next question. Who do you want to be murdered by? Yes. I am going to choose my guy. Why? Because he died a lot quicker than your guy did. True. Also, traumatic brain injury freaks me out. The fact that he had been (laughs) beaten to death, but still was able to stand up and lock his door and probably not even realize that he was about to die. He probably was like not even in his right mind. I know. That freaks me out. Okay. We don't know that mine died faster than yours. I thought you said, no, mine died faster than yours. Yeah, but we don't know that. I thought you said that your guy took like an hour to die or something. Well, he took hours, two to three hours, but your guy was shot in the stomach and the throat. Yeah, but the doctor said that it took him 10 minutes to die. Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess I can't argue the doctor. I was going to say, because you can die slowly in a, from a stomach wound. Oh, for sure. For sure. I um, forgot about the throat wound. <laughs> but he was lasting at the post office like after eight and his wife found him at nine. nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, my guy definitely suffered longer. Yeah. But I think that he 
potentially was not in pain, was just very, very confused Mm -hmm. and couldn't like he was obviously he had a bleed on the brain. Yeah. Like that's what he died from his traumatic brain injury. Yeah. So that's not painful, is it? No. So really, in a way, not knowing that you're but then he was attacked. He was attacked and his wife was attacked. Yeah. And he knew his wife had been attacked because he was trying to get to her. Probably. I don't think so. No. I think that he was going up to see if she was okay because they they said that she was killed in her sleep. I well, thought she... She wasn't technically killed. She was... But she was attacked in her sleep because she was found in the same position. The bedclothes didn't look rumpled. Like, it looked like she had been struck while she was sleeping. So she, he might not have known at all that she'd been attacked. Exactly. Okay. Got you. Um, but then... They would have had to have gone upstairs, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it worked. It's tough because they were both shitty, but I think yours was slightly less Slightly shitty. less shitty. Yeah. I'm I, still going to go with mine. Okay, I'm going to go with a view that I'm Thomas and not the wife. I'm going to go with mine. Okay. Because I don't want to be shot in the throat. I think that 10 minutes would be horrible. It wouldn't be a pleasant 10 minutes. Because you're basically like drowning. drowning in your own blood. Yeah. But how long would it be before you passed out from blood loss? Probably not long. Well, they said 10 minutes. Oh, passed yeah. out, passed mm-hmm. out. Um, I guess it depends on what kind of blood loss. So if you're bleeding internally a bit longer than if you've hit a jugular. I don't think they hit a jugular if he, if he was alive for 10 minutes. True. True, he probably wasn't bleeding that fast. He would have passed out quickly. No, because that would be two or three minutes if they hit the jugular. Am I? No. Ah, are you switching? Am I? I don't think I am. No? You don't want to be bludgeoned? Come over to the bludgeoning side, Gemma. <laughs> no, I'm not. No. I'm sticking. I think mine went through less mental torture because he had a brain hemorrhage and he wasn't functioning. Yeah. On all cylinders anymore. So I'm going from the the mental torture. And I'm going just from the quickness side of it. It was over quickly. Okay. Cool. So we disagree this week. Disagree. That's fine. We'll make up. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for listening. Thank you. And please rate and review on iTunes. That'd be nice. We just got a new review today, which was lovely. Thanks. Yes. Who was it? Uh, so we said we were going to give shout outs, but like. <laughs> I did. I only see a username here. Okay. Let me get it up for you. You're going to have to edit this shit out. <laughs> I will. Oh no. Where did it go? <laughs> Disappeared. Well, you're going to have to edit a lot out now. Fuck's sake. Oh, oh no, wait. I found it. I found it. Uh, it was from... The username is cookie121955. Oh, that's <laughs> a very specific number. <laughs> is that your social security number, cookie? I don't know. I don't is know it? what social security numbers look like. No, me neither. So I'm sounding all coy, but I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be... It could be a birthday. What is it? One two one one, one two one nine five five, an American birthday <gasps> where they do the month. Was first. Cookie born the nineteenth of December, nineteen fifty five? I mean, I think we're putting out a lot of information about this woman or man or man. I mean, we can't judge. No. 
Anyway, thanks for the review, Cookie. Yeah, thanks. It was very nice. Born on the 19th of December, 1955. <laughs> um, please leave a nice review. Other people. That would be nice. And we'll give you a shout out, but we won't say your birth date out. Or social security number. Yeah, unless you want us to. Well, but it's in we'll the public you. realm. We'll advise you against that, I'd say. <laughs> it's in the public realm, Gemma. Not the social security number, isn't well, I don't know if that's it. it, it <laughs> no, I'm ca- and it's definitely not that. I'm I don't so think. confused. Anyway, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, and we're on social media. Yes, please. We're on wit- we are on social media and also called Witch Murder. I'm so tired, Gemma. <laughs> we're nearly there. I just pushed it this okay. last minute. <laughs> Push it, Holly. Okay, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Yep. At Witch Murder. Yep. And we will talk to you there. Yes, we will. If you talk to us, we will talk to you. And we also have Facebook, but I always forget about it. So I know. it's there. Whatever. <laughs> uh, we will see you next week, people. Bye. Goodbye. We're Witch Murderer. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Witch Murderer. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Witch MRDR. And you can email us witchmurderer at gmail.com Our theme music is Kill Me Again by Blue Bend Artwork was done by Wild Creations at fiverr.com Kill me again